Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Sunshine Podcast, where we share faith, have some fun, and strive to add a little sunshine to your day. I am your host, Jason Bringhurst. Well, welcome, everybody. I am recording from the lovely town of Port Angeles, Washington. And uh, (laughs) I had a funny thought uh, this week, and maybe uh, you've thought of this before, too. But uh, uh, we were talking about baseball, which I'm not uh, a big fan of baseball, don't know a lot about baseball. Uh, But someone uh, mentioned the Los Angeles Angels. And I just had the thought that, isn't that kind of redundant? (laughs) Doesn't Los Angeles already mean the Angels? So their baseball team is the Angels Angels, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) Port Angeles apparently was uh, originally called Puerto de Nuestra Señora de los Ángeles. And that's my best Spanish accent. Uh, Port of Our Lady of the Angels. So I'm glad that they didn't stick with that because that's a pretty long name. Port Angeles is a little easier. All right. Well, this episode is not about (laughs) angels or uh, Port Angeles or Los Angeles or any of the above. In today's episode, I actually talk about a historic site that you've probably never heard of in Las Vegas, Nevada. So let's get to it. Have you ever discovered some part of your family history that was just fascinating? Well, before the lights, the strip, and the casinos in Las Vegas, there was the old Mormon fort. Las Vegas in Spanish means the meadows, and there was this creek that ran through Las Vegas in the valley, giving life to this little strip of area next to the creek, uh, which was in contrast to the harsh desert valley uh, surrounding it. Um, And it was along the old Spanish trail. Uh, The Paiutes were the indigenous uh, people who lived there in small camps, and they were nomadic. And uh, in 1847, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they arrived in Salt Lake uh, City. Of course, there was nothing there at that point. It was not a city, but they arrived in the Salt Lake Valley. These uh, Mormon pioneers, as they were called, arrived there and And in 1851, they settled in San Bernardino. So you had people traveling back and forth between Salt Lake and San Bernardino. And to help uh, the travelers between Salt Lake and California, they wanted to establish a fort there in Las Vegas. So in the 1855 General Conference, Brigham Young calls 30 men to go to Las Vegas. Uh, They uh, were to get 40 wagons with ox teams, uh, 15 cows, and several riding horses. And then he called William A. Bringhurst to lead them. And being very faithful, they they left almost immediately. Luckily, we get a little more heads up today before uh, these type of mission calls usually. (laughs) And yes, I am related to William Bringhurst. Um, He is my great, great, great grandfather's brother. And I guess when uh, my ancestor Samuel Bringhurst and his brother William joined the church, their father was very upset and disappointed, and he left them each one dollar in his will, and he did that only because that was the law. (laughs) He had to do that. He stated, I guess, that uh, he hoped that they would return from their evil ways. So I could do a whole other episode, and I might do that one day uh, on the Bringhurst in Pennsylvania, uh, in Philadelphia. And uh, but I did look up on Family Search, and I saw that my ancestor Samuel Bringhurst Sr., who is William's brother, uh, he was actually endowed in Nauvoo in 1846. So that's pretty cool, um, knowing the the history of of the saints uh, being endowed before before leaving Nauvoo. Uh, William Bringhurst. Um, 
my ancestor's brother was born in Philadelphia in 1818. Uh, he married his wife, uh, Anne Dilworth, in 1845, and then they traveled to Utah with the John Taylor Company, arriving in 1847 in the Salt Lake Valley. And then a few years, years later, um, he's called on this mission to, to Las Vegas. Uh, it took them about 30 days to get to Las Vegas by wagon from Salt Lake City. And I've traveled that a lot uh, in car, <laughs> luckily not in wagon. And uh, it takes anywhere from like six to seven hours. Um, some people might go faster, but I tend to do a few stops along the ways to uh, get an icy cold beverage or something. So, uh, but yeah, if you, you booked it straight through, uh, you could get there a lot faster than 30 days. So, <laughs> uh, that's uh, the blessings of modern technology. So they arrived, uh, on June 14th, 1855, and they quickly built a bowery and why? Well, <laughs> they wanted to have a worship service, but also think of Las Vegas. This just is, you know, I can't, I can't wrap my mind around what it must've been like arriving there. But Las Vegas in June is not a very comfortable place to live out in the heat within the exposure uh, of the sun. So, yeah, they, they built a Bowery. No air conditioning out there. These poor, poor folks. They were tough as nails. And uh, so they had their Sunday service, the very first Sunday that they got there. And then they got to work on building the fort. It took them uh, seven months to build an adobe fort. It was 150 feet square. It was the largest building within 100 miles, and uh, it was a tough life. Uh, they, they made these adobe bricks, and they just hardened and dried them in the sun, and, uh, and then they, they would farm. These early uh, Latter-day Saints, or as many called them Mormons, they built actually about 35 forts uh, in various settlements. I grew up close to the Union Fort, or what's now called Fort, the Fort Union area in Midvale, Utah. Uh, President Hinckley's grandfather built Cove Fort in Millard County, and it's been restored and rebuilt and is a very fun place to go visit just outside of Beaver, Utah. So this Las Vegas fort was made mostly from adobe bricks, and they were just all made on location there. The foundations were all of stone, and the walls were 14 feet high, uh, two feet thick at the base, and then uh, that would go up to about eight feet, uh, still two feet thick, and then it would narrow to about a foot thick above that. The east wall um, was where all the uh, dwellings and mess houses were, and they were actually two stories tall, and the wood was really sparse there, so the, the ground floor was just dirt, and then the second floor, uh, the second story had uh, wood planks. And they didn't have nails, so they used like rawhide or wooden pegs uh, to attach the planks to the beams. They uh, were built inside the fort, facing the courtyard, and there were actually holes in the walls to, to shoot any attackers. And uh, families and groups just shared all the cooking and housekeeping chores. Uh, there were garden plots and farmlands which were appointed to, to each person, and the, the fields were fenced with branches and thorny mesquite. Uh, William Bringhurst wrote in a letter that the corn grew an inch and a half in 24 hours, he said one day. Uh, the soil was actually not really good for crops, and there was a reported drought that happened, and there really was never quite enough grown to feed everybody that was there. The mission ended up having around 103 people, uh, many of whom were children too young to work. They were short uh, the first year about 4,000 to 5,000 pounds of flour that they would need to uh, sustain them until the next harvest. 
So uh, William Bringer sent uh, skilled men to go to California to try and work for the needed flour. The relations with the Paiutes uh, were pretty favorable. In July, the Deseret News reported that uh, President Bringhurst um, said that shortly after we arrived, we assembled all the chiefs and we made an agreement or a treaty with them uh, for permission to make a settlement on their lands. And we agreed to treat them well and they were to observe the same conduct towards us uh, with all the the people that came with, with their mission. So the records show that they irrigated water from the nearby creek for their crops and orchards. They actually brought in fruit trees from California to, to plant these orchards. And in 1856, they started a school, and it was attended by the Indians and the Mormon kids alike, it said. Uh, William Bringhurst was made the first postmaster when the Las Vegas uh, uh, post office was established. Uh, in 1856, the missionaries laid out uh, a farm for the Indians, actually. They said that they uh, showed them how to plow and how to plant. But with this drought, uh, theft became a problem. And it was a reported that a lot of their grain uh, was stolen in the nighttime and melons that they were growing. In August, uh, the Paiutes actually asked the men to go with them uh, hunting. But they actually didn't end up getting any game. And so... Uh, they're kind of having a hard time, not not enough food to go around. Then it was reported uh, on Sunday, August 17th, at night a Paiute boy was caught stealing corn from the cornfield. Several others were with him, but they ran away and, and didn't get caught. But they caught this 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 boy, and it doesn't give an, an age, um, just as a boy. Uh, and they, I guess they chained him up overnight and tried to send a message to the Indians that, you know, they were not going to tolerate all this theft. So the chief came by in the morning and was very friendly and said that uh, some of his people wanted to retaliate, but he agreed that the boy needed a lesson and he was he should quit stealing. And so they released the boy to the, the chief. In May 1856, someone shows up, Nathaniel Jones, and he arrives in Las Vegas with orders from Brigham Young claiming authority uh, and saying that he was to take over and that uh, the people in the mission were to work for him in the mines. John Still, one of the missionaries there, (laughs) wrote, Jones presented his letter of instruction to President Bringhurst, and there was a great storm between them, calling each other anything but gentlemen. (laughs) So it didn't go over too well with William Bringhurst and this other guy showing up and kind of taking charge. So William, uh, he refused to accept Jones's authority, and uh, food grew short, and w- William Bringhurst refused to supply Jones's uh, mining party that was uh, uh, camped southwest from Las Vegas, anything. And so he, uh, this Jones guy, goes back to Salt Lake and talks to Brigham Young, and then he returns in December uh, with a letter from Brigham Young saying that uh, William Bringhurst had been dropped from the mission and was disfellowshipped from the church. Yikes. (laughs) Oh, poor William. (laughs) He's gone down there in the Las Vegas heat, built up this fort, and has had uh, trouble trying to get the farms going, and then has this other guy show up and try and boss him around. And uh, so he... He, uh, you know, and of course, Brigham Young had a lot going on. Obviously, neither one of these men were perfect, but uh, my ancestor obviously made some mistakes and probably lost his cool. But, uh, oh la la, as the French would say, was not a good situation. So, apparently, uh, more people arrived, and uh, the mining really was taxing the resources of this small fort, and there just were not many natural resources around. 
1857, Brigham Young said, It would appear you cannot sustain yourselves, and consequently this station becomes an expense to the kingdom, and at present seems not to add any honey to the hive. <laughs> so it was abandoned in March 1857. Uh, the missionaries had hoped that it would thrive, but it just didn't grow as anticipated. Uh, it sounds like a few of them stayed there at the fort, but uh, in 1858... It was reported the Indians swept down from the mountains and stole their harvest from the fields. And then at a special conference in Santa Clara, Utah, the church officials officially abandoned the, the Las Vegas mission. Uh, the mission was not a complete failure. The uh, relations between the, the Paiutes and the, the uh, missionaries there were really good and they uh, remained you know pretty pretty good through the whole time uh william bringhurst uh regained his good standing in the church and he ended up serving several years as a bishop in uh the springville ward and he was actually selected as one of the six founding trustees for the brigham young academy which is now brigham young university and uh, that's where i went to, to college and he died in february 1883 uh, in 1939, the Daughters of the Utah Pioneers placed a monument on this site of the old uh, Mormon fort there. And five years later, they leased the fort and they took care of it. And then the state of Nevada bought it in 1991. Uh, they completely went through and, and restored it. And part of the 1855 Adobe fort is still standing. And so they, they consider it to be the oldest standing building in Las Vegas Um Portions of it are still original, and they've they've uh, refinished it, and and uh, it is now a, a, a historical park that you can visit. It's all reconstructed. They have the a small museum and gift shop there, and it's, it's actually a really fun place to visit. Uh, there's a picture of William Bringhurst in the visitor center, as well as a movie, and a lot of people think uh, that he looks a lot like my father, and I would agree. <laughs> so if you want to Google that uh, William Bringhurst uh, Mormon Fort, you'll see a picture of him and. Yeah, that looks like a, uh, definitely could be one of our ancestors because it looks a lot like my father. The state historic parks open every uh, week from Tuesday to Saturday uh, from 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., according to the, the information I found. So I've been there a couple of times, and it's, yeah, it's a neat place. There was one account that I wanted to share from Ariet Hells. The chief had had this uh, sick child. This child had been sick for a very long time, and uh, they had heard that there were white men on their land, and that the child uh, was just growing worse. And they said that the great spirit was mad because they had allowed white men to come among them. And they said if the child died, that they were all going to be killed. His whole uh, band was ready to, to execute all the, these missionaries down there at the fort. And President Bringhurst requested to see the chief and, and the child and to talk with him. But for a long time, they would not see him. They finally consented, and the Indian chief uh, was like a statue. He would not speak or move for a long time. His wife was on his side uh, in, in this cave by a little fire, and the sick child was in her arms. And uh, after a long talk with an interpreter who was named George Bean, they spoke a, a few words with him, and then the uh, chief wanted to smoke a peace pipe. And then they were permitted to, to see the child. The, the wife unrolled uh, the little uh, child from a bundle of rags, and he laid before them in just a, a terrible uh, condition, the worst that they'd ever beheld. This, this little boy was just in a really bad condition. He was like a little skeleton, they said. So then it was reported that uh, President Bringhurst uh, bathed this child with some warm water, 
from head to foot. And then they uh, encircled the child and they gave him a blessing. Two minutes after they had laid their hands on the child, uh, the child opens his eyes and looks around and started eating some food that President Bringhurst had prepared. The child was healed by the power of God. The chief and his wife were very, very thankful and made some uh, food for President Bringhurst uh, to take with him. They were then allowed to depart and went on their way rejoicing that they were able to help that little child. I have read that there are around 100,000 members of the church now in Las Vegas. Um, I am so thankful for these early pioneers, um, my pioneer ancestors and these other pioneers who sacrificed so much. You know, these are the saints who knew Joseph Smith personally. They, they followed Brigham Young after Joseph Smith and his brother Hiram were murdered in Carthage. The, the Bringhursts left Philadelphia where they had a good name. It seems like they were influential um, and well-to-do, and they were in the thick of the revolution uh, previously. Um, they left it all with their conviction. They knew that God had called a prophet. They knew that the Book of Mormon was the Word of God. And they knew that God had a great work for them to do in the last days. And I, I just hope that I can be as valiant as they were. We're coming up on July 24th, which is the uh, celebration of the day that the pioneers entered into the uh, Salt Lake Valley. And it was always a, a big holiday for me when I grew up. Uh, the 24th of July was as much a holiday and as big a holiday as the 4th of July uh, when I grew up. There is a hymn that uh, is, is loved by the members of the church. It talks about these, these pioneers. The, it was written by William Clayton, and it says, Come, come, ye saints, no toil nor labor fear, but with joy wend your way. Though hard to you this journey may appear, grace shall be as your day. Tis better far for us to strive, our useless cares from us to drive. Do this, and joy your hearts will swell. All is well, all is well. Why should we mourn or think our lot is hard? Tis not so, all is right. Why should we think to earn a great reward if we now shun the fight? Gird up your loins, fresh courage take. Our God will never us forsake. And soon we'll have this tell to tell. All is well, all is well. We'll find the place which God for us prepared, far away in the west, where none shall come to hurt or make afraid. There the saints will be blessed. We'll make the air with music ring. Shout praises to our God and King. Above the rest these words will tell. All is well. All is well. And should we die before our journey's through? Happy day, all is well. We then are free from toil and sorrow too. With the just we shall dwell. But if our lives are spared again, to see the saints their rest obtain, oh, how we'll make this chorus swell. All is well, all is well. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that we've added a little bit of sunshine to your day. If you like this episode, we would appreciate it if you would rate and give us a fantastic review in Apple Podcasts. This small step makes a big difference in how we show up when people are looking for podcasts. 
If you like the show, subscribe, and you'll be notified when other episodes come out. And as always, we'd love to have you shared on social media so others can find us. And if you think a friend would enjoy the show, please share it with them. Well, until next time, cheers from the Pacific Northwest. <laughs>